Welcome to Civil Discourse. This podcast will use government documents to illuminate the workings of the American government and offer context around the effects of government agencies in your everyday life. And now your hosts, Nia Rogers, public affairs librarian, and Dr. John Augenbaugh, political science professor. Hi, welcome back to this series about um, nominees before the uh, Senate. This particular episode, we're talking, this is the third part, we're talking about the nomination of Michael Alex Azar to be the Secretary of Health and Human Services, um, which the link to that you can find on our resource guide. We're actually, we're not really talking about Mr. Azar, we're talking about the process, and we're talking about the kinds of things that happen and go into how you one, survive the nomination process. And then now I have some questions about the actual physical setup of the Senate as far as the chamber is concerned. And I also have a couple of other questions um, that I want to ask Augie. So let's get into this third part. So uh, you have the, you have the Senate chamber is relatively small. The physical Mm -hmm. space is relatively small. There are senators on one side in a semicircle. There are photographers sitting on the floor in front of the senators because they don't get chairs because they're the media. Um, (laughs) uh, Sorry, that's I I don't understand why they can't give them stools to sit on, but whatever. Uh, I mean, that would just be nice. And then there's a table, a big, long table, and there's the nominee. I assume that they face the nominee so that they can get them making incredibly sad or unhappy faces or whatever but they're also trying to get just record the proceedings that's right a lot of them are filming it if you watch c-span c-span is not on the floor in front of the nominee c-span has two cameras yes one's behind the senators one's behind the nominee and they go back and forth showing you who's speaking yes so if you want to watch one of these it's really interesting to watch i know don't even don't even judge me. C-span. Don't judge us. <laughs> okay, don't judge <laughs> us because right, he watches it too. Yes. Um, you viewing parties. It's it's pizza and beer at our house watching C-span. That's right. So that that idea um, that you pay it like that people can be there in the sense that they can watch what's happening, they can see it in real time. C-span's really good for that. We would encourage you to watch those um, nominations because you hear things that sometimes aren't intentional, but you also see things. Seeing the nominee, physically seeing them answer the questions can help you a lot. There was some controversy with Justice Kavanaugh and the way Justice Kavanaugh physically appeared before the committee because there were times when he was pretty upset and pretty agitated. Um, And you know what? That shouldn't be something that the senators are trying to make happen. That's not okay, right? It's not okay to be disrespectful to the nominee. This is a hard process. This person, as we've discussed previously, is putting themselves through a pretty tough vetting process and a pretty tough process for facing down what are at least some enemies because there's never, or oh, are no. there rare? I assume it rarely. I mean, yeah. there's a nominee where everybody's just, we just love you. Now, if I was a nominee, they might say that. If I decided I really was going to go for defense, they might just say, you're so spiffy, Nia. We don't have any questions for you at all. We're just going to sit around, eat bonbons, and talk about how fabulous you are. But that's not usually no, how no, it works, No, it's, it, right? it's, it's not. I mean, and so, you know, there's an old joke in the Senate, you know, even if uh, Mother Teresa was nominated, 
Um, there, there would be tough questions. Right. Somebody okay. would find something, something to. Be, yeah. So explain to me this whole blue and white thing you got going on. <laughs> yeah, like, right. I mean, there would yeah. be something. Yeah. That's not very patriotic. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, there's there's always something to complain about. You know why? Because these people are people. That's part of it, right? Sure. There's and, and, always something and, and, and to complain about. And, it, and they've been nominated for positions of trust and authority. So, I mean, whether or not you're talking about a cabinet secretary position, a federal judge, um, uh, they have authority in their position simply because they're going to occupy that position if they're confirmed. And in some cases, we're talking about authority to affect, you know, thousands, if not millions of people's lives. So, you know, they're going to get asked tough questions. Well, and it's it's set up physically adversarial, adversarial. right? Like we are on, on one, one side, side you, you are, are on, on the, the other. other side. Yes. I mean, that alone sets up a, a dynamic. Yeah. I mean, because it's you know, very specific that you don't get in paper that you can't really see when you read this. <laughs> yes. You can't really see that that person is now they're not alone at that table. Right. There's a whole bunch of people. Yeah. They can have a the lawyers. Table. They can have counselors. Uh, sitting behind the nominee uh, is typically um, uh, family members, uh, perhaps friends, sometimes mentors. Okay. Um, uh, you sometimes see this with uh, nominees for federal judgeships, uh, senators who brought their name to the attention of the White House will sit behind them. Oh, okay. okay. So they don't all have to sit on the senator side. side they no. can sit on the yeah, nominee side if yeah, they're on, supportive. On the Senate side is they're the Senate committee. They're not doing it as senators on the committee. Okay, yeah, so yeah, they're just doing it as, as senators. senators. That's right. Okay. But then behind... Yeah, for, who for, are those people? Because those people Frimble's are fascinating. fascinating. Yeah, behind Some the, of those people are <laughs> dressed really interestingly. Yes. They do think they... Now, first of all, wait, let me ask a separate question. There are only... There is only one person who speaks at a time, right? That is correct. The senator asks a question. The nominee answers the question. Theoretically, no one should be no. shouting, no. commenting, no. No, interrupting. Because, because again, the the purpose of the hearing is to give information to the senators on the committee who make the initial decision for the Senate. So it's like a fact-finding part or of the interview. The review. That's or right. the pre-interview. Yeah. Okay. We're, we're doing this sort of, yeah. we're doing the hard work so that the rest of the Senate can then read what we do, we do. and, yes. and I mean, vote it, accordingly. Yeah. Or I assume that the Senate, in part, are watching some of this on C-SPAN, too, like they're, well, I, I, or they're, well, they're, they're, they're staffers. engaged in some way. Well, they're staffers, Will. Okay. I mean, I mean the senators, for many May senators, may you know, they're at other committee hearings. Uh, so I, other committee, meeting, committees, committee meetings meet. During uh-huh. nominees, yeah. really? So yeah. you don't even get like the channel to yourself? <laughs> no, I mean, and you're just part of the business of of the, the Senate. Senate. Yeah, because at, at any point in, in any day in the United States Senate, there might be two or three nominees who are having hearings. Um, there might be two or three committees doing markups on bills that they want to get uh, uh, votes on and report out to the Senate. Um, uh, the Senate Appropriations Committee might be holding a budget hearing. I mean, all that's going on at the same time. And that's, again, one of the reasons why it's difficult to schedule a nomination hearing is that oh. other member, you know, uh, committee members who serve on other committees, committees oh. okay, we'll have to go ahead and, you know, they look pick. at their, you know, they have to pick. 
or they have to look at their calendar and say to the um, the chair, hey, I know we want to get this scheduled, but I'm supposed to be in an appropriations committee and we're got um, the Department of Agriculture testifying and agriculture is important to my state. I can't show up and I want to make sure at least when C-SPAN scans to the Senate <laughs> committee, I'm there. Right. Because that's important. Because if you don't show up, you know, to the nomination hearings, that's the stuff that gets reported in your next re-election. Okay, right. didn't bother to, to, you know, show, to up, show up. Show up, right? They don't ever say because he was actually doing stuff <laughs> appropriate to, to our state. state. Yeah, yeah, because that's not how elections work. No, right? elections so, are never about. So I mean, at that. any at any point in time, there's you know seven, eight, twelve you know hearings going on. Some of which are about you know other nominees. Some of which are about, you know, budgets. Others are about general oversight. Um, some of it is, hey, we're thinking about doing this with a new law. Um, and, you know, in these law, these new laws may be important to some of the committee hearing or committee members for that nomination hearing, right? So if it does occur, you know, this has been, you know, well scripted, well timed, well scheduled. Um, and, you know, each senator on the committee has a certain amount of time to ask questions. OK, so so, you know, the chair acts as the, if you will, parliamentarian. Ah, which is why at one point um, one of them was corrected about not having, having enough time. time. That's right. They were corrected by the nominee, Indeed. which might not have been the best choice. Yeah, no, yeah. it wasn't a nominee. It was a, a person who was testifying. OK, but, um, but still. still it, so. It, it, so somebody somewhere should be keeping time and saying, oh, yeah. "Okay, you're getting down to the end." So we we went away from the crowd. So so behind the sort of supporters for the nominees, there are chairs for the public. For the public, so anybody could go. Now I assume that there's some sort of lottery if it's a really popular or really controversial. Well, I mean, nominee. for you know, for it's Supreme, probably not just for Supreme Court nominees, for instance. Okay. Um, <laughs> Um, you know, uh, the, the, the Senate Judiciary Committee has in the past used the, used the lottery. Okay. okay. Um, I mean, they used to go But ahead. for one where people are like, nah, <laughs> yeah, there I mean, might not be yeah, right? a huge yeah, so, turnout I mean, for it. I mean, no offense intended to the nominees. Niece, but, but, you know, hey, you know, somebody for Health and Human Services, chances are, and again, it's not to, you know, denigrate the department. Or its or the, or importance, because it, 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 it is. It is. But... You know, many Americans probably couldn't name the Department of Health and Human Services, right? You right. know, there's there's 15, you know, cabinet departments, right? It's not going to be the first <laughs> two one, or three or four, four you think three, of. Yeah, that's right. You know, you know, okay. when I give a, uh, a a quiz to my intro to U.S. government students, you know, most don't mention <laughs> health and human services, right? Which is really <laughs> unfortunate because it does it, it does it affects, it does important work. And it affects millions and millions yeah, of people. people but, right? Okay. Um, but that's uh, us with our personal rant of it's all important, important people. Yeah. For us, <laughs> yeah. uh, just so you know, for Augie and I, everything is important. important. All of, every part of the government sure. is important. All these people are important. So We're you got the public. suggesting they aren't. Yeah, so you got the public. And they can apparently dress however they feel appropriate sure. so long as they are covered. That's right. Because it, during, again, Justice Kavanaugh's, <laughs> there were ladies dressed as um, women from The Handmaid's Tale, Tale from yeah. Hulu, the Hulu television show. show. That's right. Um, 
to make a point. They were sure. clearly making a political point. Yes. Um, and as long as they are respectful and quiet, they can, they're yes. welcome to come to the chamber in, yes. in that. Okay. Yes. Um, so they're not going to be removed for something like that. You would be removed for making noise. You would be removed yes. for booing or yes. yeah. yelling or throwing yeah. things. But if you didn't do any of that, if you were um, quietly behaved, yeah, you, could you just, would. Yeah, you could, you know, you could be touring the Senate. <laughs> and go, oh, this is interesting, and just sit down. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, and in fact, I've actually done that. Uh, uh, okay. uh, and uh, and uh, it was, uh, what was it for? It was a undersecretary position for the S- State Department, right? And I just sat down. And, you know, for you know an hour and a half, I, you know, listened to the nominee, um, you know, heard some entertaining questions. <laughs> Um, and then we, you know, me and some of my friends went and got lunch and, <laughs> and we were like, well, what'd you think of the nominee? And I'm like, well, all we saw was the back of his head. And, and they, were, they were like, well, what'd you think of the answers? I said, I was more interested in the questions because a lot of the questions, again, are all, already well scripted. Um, and in fact, senators, if they want to, uh, be cooperative with the White House, will go ahead and let the nominee no i'm going to ask you about x really sure so they sort of give them the answer ahead of time sure. kind of it's yeah. a little bit cheating well, well, well i mean hey cheating's I mean, not fair but i mean maybe, it's maybe, a little bit if you support the person, person well i mean hey but i mean think about and if, also if, if you, you support them you, and you bring up something that's bad you can bring it up in a way to minimize that takes the legs out of it yeah, yeah. so it's not quite so yeah, mitigate the damage right okay, okay. so there is there are mm-hmm. smart political reasons for doing that but they I'll don't, give you, they don't, uh, that aren't cheating so much as they are supporting. Well, I mean, I, I'll give you another example. Um, uh, when I was an undergrad and uh, I did an internship for a U.S. senator, uh, it was the uh, summer that uh, Robert Bork was nominated to the Supreme Court. Oh, my. And the senator uh, that I was interning for uh, opposed uh, the Bork nomination to the Supreme Court. As, as I think many senators did. did yeah, because he, he, he was ultimately rejected by the Senate. But my senator, who was in opposition, actually forwarded his questions to the White House hmm. before the hearing because my senator believed that springing questions uh, was unprofessional. Yeah, sandbagging. Uh, yeah, He's... and... Uh, I mean, and think about how many of us, when we have interviewed for jobs, we've appreciated the organization that we're trying to get a job with, have let us know what are some of the questions or what are some of the broad areas that you might be asked about. We've appreciated it, right? Now, I also understand that in other job interviews, the purpose is, let's see how quickly they can think on their feet. And and, and, And you're like... Wow, I didn't see that one coming, right? You walk out of there, you're like... Right. If you were a color, <laughs> what color would you be? Uh, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, uh, you know, what oh. kind of, what what kind of house would you be? Right. I got that in your job interview. Did you really? Yeah, and I was just like... A bungalow? Uh, um, I mean, like, what do you say? I, well, I said, you know, one that has, like, uh, uh, a roof with no holes. <laughs> and they were like, we've never got that before. <laughs> and I'm like... Yeah. I don't know if that's good or bad, but <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. uh, let's. Um, we'd like to note for the Senate. Please don't ask that question. <laughs> yeah. um, that's not fair for nominees. So I noticed something in the document that I wanted to bring up to you because okay. I think it's interesting. They have to list potential conflicts of interest. Is that 
things like I have, okay, so if I'm going to be the Secretary of Agriculture and I have stock in Monsanto, right, is that the kind of thing that yes. I would list there? Yes. Is it, and I worked for Monsanto as a summer intern? Yes. I mean, is it all those things? It's, it's those kind of things. Um, what do justices have to list? Um, uh, justices uh, will uh, typically list things like... Um, they belong to associations, or? you know, you know, uh, uh, particular associations, trips that they have taken. Oh, trips. Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, I guess that would um, potentially. Um, uh, do they have stock in certain companies? I mean, because a, a huge part of the, uh, particularly the Supreme Court's uh, docket, uh, deals with uh, uh, business oh, cases. Corporate. Okay. Okay, um, and that's particularly the case um, of probably the last three or four years where the Supreme Court has been taking a lot of uh, technology cases. Um, oh, so if you uh, own, you, you know, know, trillions shares of Apple. Oh, well, yeah. Although in, in, the, in that case, and I'm going to go off a tiny bit on a tangent, in that case you would just recuse yourself. Yeah. A la um, uh, Jeff Sessions recusing himself from any Russia investigation of the campaign because he was part of the for campaign. campaign. That's, right. that's part of the reason that he gave for yeah. recusing yeah. himself so, from those issues. Shoes. That's right. Right. Is that he could not be a neutral party. That's right. And so theoretically, and so I think people sometimes don't realize that it's not just <laughs> lawyers that have to recuse themselves. I assume that if, uh, okay, just so the listeners will know, because you may not have listened to this, um, to other portions of this podcast, there's a part of me that longs to be the Secretary of Defense, <laughs> um, and mostly because it's just an open position right now. Uh, that's, but if I was the Secretary of Defense and I had um, stock in Boeing. Which, okay. has, which has a lot of defense contracts. Then I would have to put that into some sort of blind trust. trust or something yes. like that, right? Yeah. Because it, I would not be able to benefit from giving them contracts. That's right. Yep. I would have yes. to be careful about doing that sort of thing. Yeah. So it's not just justices. It is everyone who serves sure. in government can have I mean, a conflict of interest, of interest in that way. I mean, because think about how many of these uh, departments um uh, do significant contracting out and it's not just the department of defense i mean the federal government contracts out with the private sector all the time isn't that where a lot of our money is out like when they talk about the the national debt sure. isn't a lot of that owed to essentially ourselves to contractors within sure um, um within and, the united states i mean in in uh, unless we wanted a significantly larger federal government workforce and that's, you know, typically a, a political issue, if you will. But um, uh, departments, federal government agencies, um, all contract out. Um, you know, if you're talking about the, the Department of Transportation, um, uh, not only does uh, the Department of Transportation allocate a significant amount of money to states and local governments to build roads, pave roads, et cetera, but the the department the federal department of transportation has significant contracts um, across the country uh, to to do federal you know transportation projects they contract that out. Oh, now, health and human services. services. If you're going to build housing, you know, so, yes, they're not going to no, build housing. I mean, boy, that would be just, just tragic. tragic. Right. right. And yeah, they're yeah. going to hire a professional, professional construction, construction company and, to and, build and, those to spec. And, and if you're you know, the yeah, and if you're the nominee. And you used to be uh, the CEO 
uh, of one of these companies. Home Depot. Yeah, well, right. No, not Home Depot, Repo, but you know but, what you I know, mean. Yeah, a, a major construction, construction company. company um, you know, you you would have to go ahead and, and, and announce that okay. because in part, Congress is trying to figure out: Are you too closely aligned with people that either you may be regulating? Or people you may be, I mean, and think about this, the federal, you know, various federal departments regulate the behavior of so many in the private sector. So, you know, are you capable of making sure your department enforces the law against these people who you used to be really, really close with? And still are in some cases. cases. I mean, yeah. Your you social circle, circle may be those people still, or, or even if you, you're not. Or you got on the radar radar of a, a particular president because of that previous right. work. I was gonna yeah. I was gonna say uh, yes. you you mentioned in a previous podcast that that person is probably an expert in the field. Well, then that means they probably came up through the field, which means they've worked in the in field, field and they know people in the field. They're known for being known in the field. So, so basically everybody. Sure, has a conflict of interest of some kind if they're getting to that position. You mentioned the the the, sec- uh, the Department of Defense. Uh, yes. the, the secretary uh, position is is is, is vacant since. Um, well, general, there's an acting. In yes, fairness, there is an, an acting. acting. Um, but the previous Secretary of Defense was General Mathis, and and I recall during his confirmation hearing, he was asked by a number of senators, "Do you think, as the civilian head?" Of the Department of Defense, you can uh, regulate the behavior of of um, of officers in which you used to be one of. And, and of course, he, he already had the answer to it. But that's the kind of thing that we have to ask: Can you go ahead? Can you go ahead? And right, because the Secretary of Defense is not actually part of the military there is, there is it's a civilian it's a, position it's a civilian position yeah right. that always confuses me it, it, that's it, why i can't be secretary i mean that and about a billion <laughs> other reasons and let's just be honest um, i'm completely 100 percent unqualified for that job but it also it, it, you want civilian control over the department of defense because the military okay is is the ultimate sanction that a government can use um on its people and people of other nations. You want civilian control. I mean, if you think about Otherwise, you might have a coup. That's right. I mean, there's, there's nothing there's to a, stop, stop a coup. coup. That's part of what other countries suffer from, from is, is that their Department of Defense or their equivalent is often a military general who's uh, like, well, you know what? I could be president. Yeah. I'd make a better president, president than, than this, this loser. loser. Yeah. And then yeah. So I mean, the next thing you know, you, you know, now have a military junta and you've got a whole and you've got a whole different podcast. Yes. Yeah. Right. OK. Um, so you always want civilian control over um, any agency who could exercise the ultimate power of government, which is to go ahead and take the lives of others. Yeah, that's another reason I don't want to be Department of Defense, <laughs> Secretary of Defense, because truly, you're you're not only are you taking the lives of others, you're costing your own. Like, yes, you're losing your own people too, and that must be an incredible burden that would be yeah impossible to yeah. I mean, for me at least. Yeah, impo- I, I would be paralyzed by those. decisions. Yeah, I I, I, I wouldn't I would um, never want to make those decisions. Right. I so mean, I have I have tremendous admiration for people who have to make decisions at that level. 
in part, not just for Secretary of Defense, but for all the secretaries, because someone somewhere is going to have to pay a price of some kind. Sure. They're going to lose a job. They're going to lose a home. They're going to lose a welfare check. A welfare okay. check. They're going to lose a family, family member. Yeah. They're going to lose themselves. Right. Like if I mean, there's something that's going to happen with every decision you make. Someone is going to suffer. And it's it's choosing what's best for the largest number of people that would be, I think, would just keep you up at night. I mean, I think that there's a very real um, burnout factor that would come with any position like that. It's surprising to me that the Supreme Court, um, heretofore known in my brain as the Supremes, um, but I know properly referred to as SCOTUS, if you're going to choose a, an I acronym. Use, I, I use both, and my students always chuckle when I say the Supremes. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Diana Ross would have made an amazing Supreme Court justice. Um, By but, the way, she, uh, uh, according to the U.S. Constitution, um, uh, she has the necessary qualifications. Really? Article 3. You have to be a Motown singer? Because no, no, that no, no. would be incredible. No, 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 no. What many Americans don't understand is... You don't have to be a lawyer to be a Supreme Court justice. There is no requirement that you uh, have to be a lawyer. Uh, okay, mind blown. Okay. Sorry, I'm having a mind blown moment. <laughs> so you're saying to me, you, I could be a justice. You could <laughs> be a justice. <laughs> well, now I know what I want to do. Um, so, but but I was going to uh, ask you a question about the nominees as far as their length of service. So there's nothing in the nomination process that says that there's an end date to this, to being a secretary. So if you were an incredibly spiffy secretary that, uh, see Nia spiffiness, that everyone loved, and that the next president respected and liked and was willing to keep on, you could serve across presidencies. It's not a partisan That's correct. position. Sure. Because the Supremes, I mean, Supremes Court serve on the court until they choose to retire or until they unfortunately pass away. That's right. Right. There there's no there's no limit to that. Yeah, but technically there's no limit to the nominee position either, right? Like if sure. FDR served uh f- four presidents, well, well almost, three and a partial. Yeah, he almost finished right? his fourth term. So conceivably his Secretary of Defense, except it was the Department of War, War we can't get into that. But his Secretary of Something Something State could have served the entire length of his presidency sure. had they been simpatico, had that had sure. that relationship worked out. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so I mean what not what what ends your your working as the secretary is either personally you choose to say, I'm I'm done now mm-hmm. for whatever reason, burnout, family problem, you know, like yeah. I just need to stop doing this. You are brought under investigation and the pressure becomes too much yeah, you can no longer effectively, yeah, effectively do your job, um, or the president goes, or the president changes. Asks, yeah. Oh no. Okay. So the president can ask for your resignation because they've lost confidence in you, or the presidency changes and the new person wants their own. Yeah, wants their own people. But I mean, you've seen this. For instance, uh, a good example of this would be um, um, uh, the director of the FBI. Um, um, and and I'm I'm not touching upon the current fiasco um, in the current administration, but you've had FBI directors 
um, who oh, that's uh, right, Jay Edgar uh, served uh, multiple presidents. Um, okay. Oh, Jay uh, Edgar, like uh, I know. Uh, I'm sorry, Jay Edgar, Edgar Hoover. Hoover. Yes. Sorry, yeah. I apologize to <laughs> for first name um, basis. Yeah, right? I know. I don't like. I'm his buddy. That was uh, <laughs> that was rude. I apologize. Um, uh, that's all right. So director I'm, Hoover. Yeah, Director Hoover. But I mean, either direct, uh, even uh, Director uh, Louis Free, uh, Free, um, Louis Free, um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, served multiple presidents. Well, and Director uh, Comey. Yeah, Director served Comey served different presidents. presidents. Okay, he so, didn't serve continuously, continuously but, but he, he served, served different presidents. So you also could be brought back. Sure. For instance, if if the next president were a let's just in our imagination, we're not. Um, making cho- political choices, choices here. here. But let's say that the president changes over to the other to the other party. party. And so the new president wants to bring back um, Hillary Clinton. Sure. Or John Kerry, who yeah. served under the last Democratic. They could do that. They sure. could bring in. Sure. And yeah. that has happened multiple times, right? Sure. That various nominees yeah. have been brought I mean, back. And, 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 to serve in, 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 in subsequent presidential, um, uh, presidential administrations. Now, when that happens, and that used to happen with much more regularity in the early part of our country's history, ah. the, the criticism uh, that arose was, um, uh, you know, Washington is has you know is is chock full of insiders. Right? Uh, okay. On the other hand, if you want experienced leadership. Um, and you know that this person in their previous tenure as Secretary of State or uh, uh, U.S. Attorney General or, you know, uh, Secretary of Defense, um, and you want that, um, you want an experienced hand running that department, it's not a, you know, that's a good reason to go ahead and pick somebody. Um, so if I were president, because yeah. <laughs> now I've decided... I'm just going to go off. Uh, yeah, because yeah, yeah. you can see I'm I'm slowly growing my ambitions. Yeah, your aspirations um, <laughs> here. They're getting pretty high. Yeah, yeah. Um, eventually, okay. I'll just be dictator of the planet. You know, I was about to say, I can't wait to see <laughs> what, what you are here in, a, in our next podcast. <laughs> Stay tuned for our next podcast so we can see what position Nia aspires to. <laughs> so, if I became president in the next election, sure, I could conceivably bring back. Um, Barack Obama's entire previous sure. ending secretaries and say to them all, you're only going to serve a year, but I want you to give me time mm-hmm. to find other people Yeah, because within the bureaucracy. Yeah, because So I would be using their experience, and if I time-limited, like if I told them that, people might actually, one, come back to do the job if they knew it was only going to be yeah, a uh, limited amount of time or for a specific might, reason. And others might say, well, it's not worth my time, just go ahead and do it for a year. But as long as you could get Senate confirmation of them, sure, why not? Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. So that's the okay. hard part. Yeah, the, <laughs> Senate confirmation, part. which currently would not work in my favor because the current Senate is uh, is, uh, is, is Republican, Republican controlled. Yeah. yeah, it is dominated by the Republican um, Party. But not to say that I am Republican or Democrat, but, but, but as I guess you can tell from that statement. Sorry. But here's to here's to your broader point, though, Nia. Presidential scholars have pointed out that. You know, typically the first six to nine months of any presidential administration, even somebody who is an experienced government official, is basically just them filling appointments. So if they could rely upon um, experienced hands, 
think about how much more time that would buy them just to go ahead and, you know, find, you know, people who they really want. Right. I mean, I wish that what they would do is straddle. In my ideal world, nominees would straddle. They would stay the first six months or year into a new presidency well, and, and, and say, and, we're just holding, basically, we're holding ground. We're not doing anything, well, and, and, but we're And depending we're on the relationship of the outgoing president and the incoming president, some of them do that. Do they? Okay. Particularly deputy and undersecretaries ah. will, will do that. Cause so the head may go, you know, but... Yeah. So you still have some transition. Okay. Um. So the it, workforce doesn't 100% change, change over, over each time now, at that level. But I know the main workforce doesn't, doesn't change over at all because, because it's not partisan. Yeah, because they're career civil servants. In, in, you didn't see that all that much with Obama to Trump, okay? But you saw some of it with Bush to and Obama. You definitely saw it with Clinton to Bush too. So there was more mm-hmm. of that in the past. Um, where, uh, particularly with the, uh, not the secretaries, but the undersecretaries, the deputy secretaries would stay on, would agree to stay on for six, nine, 12 months so that the confirmation hearings could take place, the confirmation process could take place. You get the new secretary in, the new secretary gets a lay of the land of the department that they are now running, um, and then that person gets to go ahead and choose in consultation with the White House, okay, who's going to be deputy, you know, secretary of state, you know, for this function? Um, So you saw more of that. One of the negatives of the increasingly partisan environment of Washington, D.C. is you just don't get that kind of cooperation in the changeover from one presidential administration to the next. And, and I understand why partisans don't want that. You know, hey, we want our person to go ahead and clean the house, you know, drain the swamp, okay, right. whatever the case may be. But as a scholar of public administration and policy um, in a government that is set up to where you need cooperation to get things done, that kind of cooperation in the turnover in the executive branch uh, was generally seen as a positive. I mean, most scholars, you know, believe that, you know, that is one of the negatives uh, of of uh, the kind of sort of hyper-partisan nature uh, that we see in Washington, D.C. right now. Well, on that happy note, <laughs> we're going to end this podcast about nominees. Thank you so much, Augie, for talking me through this process. You are welcome. Um, I enjoyed it. I think that really what you've said to me is that I'm aspirational, but that it's just never going to happen. But you're doing that kind thing that parents do where they're like, it's okay, keep dreaming. Um, always so. re- always reach for the stars. <laughs> that, so. that, that, that's my nice counterpoint to the uh, dose of sobriety I just threw out there. <laughs> keep reaching for the stars. <laughs> Thank you. And we will uh, talk again. You're welcome. You've been listening to Civil Discourse, brought to you by VCU Libraries. Opinions expressed are solely the speaker's own and do not reflect the views or opinions of VCU or VCU Libraries. Special thanks to the Workshop for Technical Assistance. Music by Isaac Hobson. 
Find more information at guides.library.vcu.edu slash discourse. As always, no documents were harmed in the making of this podcast.